Welcome to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, here today with Damian Sheeter. How are we doing? Hey, Nate. It's good to be here. It's been a minute since I've been here. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. I, we, it, it feels like it hasn't been that long because we've had conversations in yes. here, but they were not recorded. Yeah, that's so right. Been, I don't remember the last time we did a podcast together, but I know we originally podcasted together quite a bit when we started the CBR Bible intro project. That was three years ago. It's hard yeah. to believe. It really is hard to believe. It's been cool to see how the Equip podcast and the podcast in general at New City have evolved. But it just so happens that as they have evolved, I've been on them less, which is probably just fine. Yeah. You seemed okay with it. We didn't, yeah. we didn't run you off That's or anything fair. like That's that. That's true. Yeah. So we're starting a, we're going to do a little mini series this summer. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to talk to you, to talk to a theologian in residence, uh, Mike Allen, talk to Ben. Uh, somebody's going to have to talk to me at some point yes. about summer reading and things that we pursue over the summer because we get a little extra time or vacation or something to take to the beach uh-huh. as if we don't go to the beach the rest of the year. But yeah. um, so I wanted to ask you, what uh, what do you find yourself returning to over the summer subject wise mm-hmm. or what are some things you've got on deck to read this summer? This not work related, but still intellectual, if you will. Yeah. Well, I am encouraged, as a side note, that even in our culture with lots of screens, summer reading still is a thing. Yeah. And there is something about it. You name some things. I don't even know all of the details or all of the realities that line up to make summer reading a time when people feel like reading. I do think some of it's time and all of that. So first of all, I just want to say I'm encouraged by that. And I hope that people who listen to us don't get overwhelmed because there'll be lots of different books. Just choose some books and read with us. Yeah. So if if something strikes your, you know... Um, I have to mention at this point, I wish Book It was still a thing. Did you do Book It? Mm-mm. Oh, man, it was, it was the greatest. You got rewarded with pizza for reading books. Oh, we yes, we just didn't call it that. Okay. I think we, we called it Accelerated Reading Program, okay. ACP, Okay. or ARP. Yeah, I wish that was still around. But for anyone out there, there, a life hack you can use is when you do finish reading these books, you can just buy yourself a pizza. Ah, you're right. So you don't, you know, Which you as don't, a child, you don't need you the program. Yeah. Yes, that's good. Well... With that in mind, uh, I have a a quick list. You had asked me to prepare some things, but one other meta comment I want to make is I do find myself returning to similar genres every summer. And one of them is I read something about American history, whether it's a biography of a president or some other event. Last year, I read a big book on Thomas Jefferson called The Art of Power which was really good. Uh, This year in May, because we went on vacation early, I read 1776 by David McCull. I actually mentioned in a sermon uh, in passing recently. Um, So that's earlier than normal. Mm -hmm. So I added another one to my list. And a few summers ago, I really got into Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. And this year I'm reading a book called Lincoln by David Herbert. So uh, it's a big one. It'll take me. It'll take me all summer to get through it. I'll just read through it slowly. So, so that's on my list that I'm slowly reading through. But beyond biography or American history, I do find myself returning in the summer to psychology books or social science books or like pop psychology books. Even so, in okay. the past, I've read Malcolm Gladwell type books, yeah, um, Adam Grant type books. So I, I find those those are books that I'm interested in. But the summer tends to be when I finally get to them. So I'll share a few titles this year. Uh, Matthew Lieberman's book, Social, subtitle, Why Our Brains Are Wired to Connect. That's a book that's been recommended to me a handful of times by people. Uh, Matthew Lieberman is not a Christian. He comes from a... Uh, My understanding is he comes from an evolutionary sort of materialist understanding of how humans 
developed over time, the need for connection and why we're wired for connection. But nevertheless, I'm excited to read it. I think there's lots of great insights and people who have read it have highly recommended it. So that's a book. Uh, another one is called The Science of Virtue by Mark McMen. So this is a Christian book. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the subtitle of this book is Why Positive Psychology Matters to the Church. And positive psychology in brief, the way I understand it is it, it's, it's relatively new in psychology. Most of what we study, whether in college or high school, when we think of psychology, pathologizes the person. And, and what that really means is big words to say the goal of psychology is to figure out what's wrong with people. Yeah, Positive psychology was a spin on that to say, well, what about things that are good with people? So it doesn't mean that they're, we're negating the bad, but rather what does it mean to, to focus on the good? And so there's a clear connection here in this book, in the title, of uh, virtue. So how do we cultivate flourishing uh, as humans? So uh, that came recommended to me by, by a couple of people. That came out in 2017, so it's been out for a minute, but I'm looking forward to getting to that. In keeping with that theme, actually, is uh, another book called Attachment Theory and Practice by Susan Johnson. Susan Johnson wrote a really famous book called Hold Me Tight, and it's in Marriage and Family Therapy. And she developed a – well, Ben actually quoted her a few sermons ago when he talked about the connection between covenant and attachment. And she came up with something called Emotionally Focused Therapy. And it's integral to that theory that she developed, actually, is attachment theory. And so I think attachment theory is one of those things where even if you're not in the counseling space, it's becoming more popular as an idea and a thing. And so I want to engage that. So attachment theory and practice. I I think that this book is written more towards practitioners. I'm not sure, though. The other ones are popular level. Yeah. What was was that title again? Attachment theory and practice. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. If, if people look up Susan Johnson on, uh, I went that way, and there's another Susan Johnson on Amazon. Who uh, was, Susan who, M. Johnson. Susan, yeah, you got to get the M in there. Yeah, Susan M. Johnson. And the the last book that is on my list for the summer is a book called Hold On to Your Kids, subtitle, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Their Peers. And so I, see, I think this is so important, um, and... Just because my kids are homeschooled doesn't mean that uh, that's why I'm reading it and, and that that's all the motivation. Um, but even my the reason I even bring that up is is that even though my kids are full full homeschooled at this point, um, they have a ton of interaction with peers, a ton of interaction with friends. And so I think that to me, what I've been more and more compelled by when I think about our desire to disciple children in general at New City is that the the prevailing model of youth ministry in general has in its pro, in its evolution continued by and large especially in medium to larger churches mm-hmm. to marginalize parents involvement and and it can become this thing where we drop our kids off with with some with some leaders um, but i think what's really important is that kids need especially young boys i think that there's a guy named Anthony Bradley who, who's been writing on this for a while, and he's been really helpful to me. But he's basically shown me and convinced me that the, the most important thing, particularly for boys, that data shows is boys need time, lots of time, with their fathers and men their father's age. And they need less time than we think with peers. 
And so this book has been out for quite some time. Uh, I, just, I have it in front of me on Amazon right now. Um, it has almost five-star reviews and 1,892 reviews. That's actually a lot yeah. for a book, uh, almost 2,000 reviews uh, and nearly five stars. And so I think it's in its second edition. So I'm looking forward to that. I think this is just something that I'm exploring, mm-hmm. um, sort of as a parent. I mean, you would think like, oh, because Damien's a parent, that's why he's reading this book. And yeah. it certainly influences that. But also the the church is a family. And we oftentimes, even at New City, can fall into a reality where it may feel like we come in as a family and then we divvy everyone up into their places. Mm. I think that that's certainly where our culture is. And all those things aren't bad, but it's gotten me thinking about if we really want to form a family as the local church, an intergenerational, um, diverse group of people in this family, um, what do some of these conversations have to do with the church? That is to say this cultural, sociological reality of, hey, what's been happening to kids in their maturity as we've given them less and less time with adults and more and more time with their peers? Uh, If there is uh, data that shows that might not be best for flourishing of kids, can we learn something from the church? Mm -hmm. So that's the last one I had, and that's why I'm interested in that one. Yeah. That makes me think of the the, um, saying that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's like, well, if you're trying to raise children, you're trying to raise the boys into men, they would need to hang around their fathers and friends of their father yes. more than they would the, their peer group because then they're just going to become, it just becomes reinforcing. Yes. They stay in this state of arrested development because they're only hanging out with other people who are not growing up and developing. Yes, that's right. And it seems, um, it seems foolish to me in a sense. Like when I think about me as a pastor, I have... It is important for me to have peer relationships with other pastors around my age and around my stage and in vocational ministry. But there's something so rich about talking to men who are almost finished even. Mm. So, so again, this, this perspective is what I need. And I need both. So, of course, friends, uh, kids need friends. Um, but it's sort of like the blind leading the blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't hear us say kids don't need friends. They only need yeah. adults. But yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a balance there that it seems like this book might be. Yeah, um, and I think redress. that it probably matters culturally, mm-hmm. and at least we're speaking from a North American context, where all the things that I already mentioned about the the stream of culture um, moving away from intergenerational realities anywhere, uh, and I think cell phones and technology make it even more pervasive. Like you're not texting your grandma probably, right. <laughs> you're texting your friends, you're Snapchatting with your friends, and so it's not just now. They're with peers at school or at church or anywhere else, but anytime they're on devices, right? They're they're still with peers. And so what it is is like we don't need to necessarily turn the volume down on the importance of friendship, but we need to really crank up the volume on the importance of of uh, older relationships with people their parents' age and so yeah. on, other adults. You're kind of – you're making an ad here for uh... – New City student community, basically yes. saying, you know, that's right. <clears throat> lots of like, great adult leaders in that yes. in that group. It's an opportunity for them to have peer time and mm-hmm. uh, time with uh, not necessarily people their parents' age necessarily, but uh, young adults who are committed to yes. walking alongside and helping disciple the next generation. Yep, yep. 
Well, Damien, I'm glad we were able to sit down for a few minutes. We'll link to some of these books in the show notes. If people, something sparks their interest, they can find it on Amazon or wherever they like to get books and maybe join us uh, in reading some of these things over the summer. That's great. Thank you. Look yeah. forward to listening to the other episodes so I can get some good ideas too. That's right. You can add to your list. Uh-huh. That's right. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. Thank you.